Welcome to the Creative Brew, helping you keep your creative juices brewing. We're giving out chunks of insight, motivation, and practicality for your creative journey. We've got some great partners with the Creative Brew. First of all, Panels, Comics, and Coffee Bar here in beautiful Oceanside, California, right off of Mission Avenue. They've got some of the hottest graphic novels and comics out right now. They also have a wide assortment of merchandise, toys, as well as back issue vintage comic uh, comic books and that I'm sure has some hidden gems in there. If you mention the Creative Brew, you'll get 10% off of your next purchase. You, you can also check them out on social media at Panels Coffee or go to PanelsCoffee.com. My next partner is Elevate Coffee Trading, and if you appreciate specialty coffee, enjoy outdoor adventure, and love helping elevate the lives of children around the world, then you're going to love Elevate Coffee Trading. Their mission is to extract hope through love, coffee, and adventures. There's free shipping in the United States, and every bag of coffee helps sponsor health and education for children in coffee-producing countries and in areas of need in the United States. You can use promo code ELEVATE21 on your next order. And you can follow their journey on social media at Elevate Coffee Trading. Or you can visit online at ElevateCoffeeTrading.com and let's start extracting hope together. Another partner of mine is AstroPad. And if you're a digital creator like me and you constantly use your iPad Pro, you can actually use AstroPad to change your graphics tablet into another professional graphics tablet. Um, so you can use Photoshop, full versions of Adobe, Adobe Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign, all your favorite programs right on your iPad Pro or graphics tablet. Um, this has been an awesome tool for me because I'm always having to do um, some fine tuning, editing, repainting, um, recoloring on, on various um, design projects or working on logos. AstroPad is a huge asset for me. Um, for teachers and, and uh, students and educators, they actually have a great deal going on right now. This is an annual subscription, so it's a, script, um, it's a, a subscription app, uh, but it's been a huge tool for me, and uh, I, I don't know what I would do without AstroPad. So you can check them out at AstroPad app or go to AstroPad.com. And my last sponsor is the CoboPod. CoboPod is a boutique video and audio production studio in, based in Oceanside, California. And if you're a podcaster, vlogger, content creator, uh, you honestly, you should really come by and check out the venue for yourself. Uh, anytime that I bring in a guest, they're amazed by the setup, amazed by the quality, the production value. Um, like I said, I, I think the Creative Brew just went up a notch. I actually went up uh, incredible levels uh, partnering up with CoboPod and I've been able to um, uh, create, you know, 4K uh, video um you know, everything looks great. Um, even the photographer that we have on staff, uh, you know, I'm, I use a lot of their photography for uh, for, for branded um, assets for the Creative Brew, um, as well as uh, the audio for my uh, podcast and my radio show. So um, if you want to feel like booking your session and maybe you're thinking about, you know, starting a podcast or maybe, heck, you want to just sit in one day, you know, I'm doing a, um, a podcast or a, I'm doing a show. Hey, come by, check it out. Um, see the venue, see the setup, check out everybody. It's a great vibe here. Um, but let's book your session today at cobblepod.org. And um, another sponsor is Baba Coffee that is here in, uh, um, I'm sorry, here in Carlsbad, California. Um, 
great vibes, good coffee. Um, I, I love the I love the setup over there. They uh, they actually offer uh, wine, coffee, dessert, food. Uh, I am I love the avocado toast over there. Check it out. Uh, that's one that I would recommend. And um, right now, they're actually every Sunday. They and it's actually going on right now. Is they have a uh, live music and uh, food trucks, I believe. So they'll have a, a chef there uh, as well as live music. So come by, uh, go by uh, Baba Coffee, and uh, they're there for a few hours. So they they usually have some different entertainment every every Sunday. So come, uh, go by there, check it out. Uh, so I want to give a special shout out to my to my new sponsor for the show, Baba Coffee. Welcome to a new episode of The Creative Brew, giving you insights on your creative journey. Today, we have Simon, uh, Simon Drew. He is a, I would call him a creative savant. Uh, just looking at his website, he does so many different things. He's a, uh, a, a philosophical mentor, a poet, author, musician, and photographer. Um, if you get a chance to check out any of his, uh, any of his uh, art, any of his photography, music online, um, it's awesome. Uh, and also, too, he's got a book out called The Poet and the Sage, which I had the, the privilege of of reading. I hadn't read the whole thing yet, but I've got the privilege of reading some of the, uh, some of the poems. And uh, it's awesome. Um, there was one that, that really hit me uh, with one of the point, uh, poems. And we'll talk about that later. But um, sure. really, just uh, like I said, thank you for, for coming on to the show. And. Well, uh, if you want to um, sort of share your story and a quick journey about you and where you're at now, and we'll get going with the show. Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, Quantel, thank you so much for uh, having me here. This is this is a pleasure. And I guess um, I guess you ask about the journey. Yeah, it's interesting. The past few interviews that I've done, uh, we've kind of dived into the conversation, but I now remember that I love that question of like, you know, what's the journey that you're on? Because I, I think that so much of what people find in the work that I do is the adventure, the journey, um, you know, because I've gone through many, many stages, uh, I guess, privately and also publicly uh, as, as a podcaster, as a musician, and as an artist, uh, and now as a, as a poet. Um, and when, when you're somebody who is involved in so many different things at once, I find that it's helpful to try and understand what is the thing that is connecting all of these things together. And, you know, ultimately, I think that what I've been trying to figure out with everything that I've been doing over the past, say, five to 10 years has been uh, to explore what it would mean to live a truly good life. You know, what, what, and, and, and what that has led me to, I think that, if you look at my poetry and if you look at my music, if you look at the podcast and the direction that it's gone, um, it all has to do with, uh, I guess, coming into a deeper and deeper relationship with this strange, complex, weird reality that we all inhabit, you know, and taking that with a certain degree of seriousness with which it deserves to be taken and, and bringing people along on that adventure and saying, let's, let's go find something. Seeing as we're all here and seeing, seeing as we're all alive, supposedly, uh, let's see if we can become more alive and experience more and see more. Uh, and that's kind of the adventure that I'm going on. 
<laughs> That's awesome. So uh, with the with the walled garden, so I, I see, you know, I, I was looking through and, and I see you're, you're doing so many different things. Um, you know, I see you're a philosophical mentor. Can you can you sort of clarify what that what that actually is and um, how does that pertain? I mean, I didn't know who you actually work with or who your mm. ideal you know uh, clients would would be with with something like that. Sure, yeah. I guess uh, philosophical mentor. It comes down to the process that I use to engage with my my clients, students, mentees, uh, and and really. You know, I am trained in the Stoic school of philosophy. Um, so for those who don't know who are listening to this, I mean, the Stoic school of philosophy is uh, an ancient school uh, from the Hellenistic period back in Greece and Rome. Um, and uh, so people that they might know are people like Marcus Aurelius, Seneca the Younger, Epictetus. These were some of the most well-known philosophers of the Stoic school. And so uh, since 2017, I've been exploring that philosophy on my podcast, which used to be called The Practical Stoic, but has now flourished into the walled garden. Um, and so, uh, as I said, this philosophical mentoring it comes down to the way that I approach my clients. Um, and it's not like you might get in certain life coaching um, experiences. Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't tell my clients what they should be doing in order to, uh, I guess, move to a deeper experience with reality and, and, and a better experience of living well. Uh, what I try to do is engage my clients in a philosophical dialogue, uh, particularly with the framework of the kind of virtue ethics that we see in these Hellenistic philosophies. And so, um, you know, we have discussions about uh, uh, just general practical things that they're dealing with in their life, but from the philosophical perspective, getting people to just open up their minds, their, you know, their hearts, uh, their eyes, their ears, and, and, and to, to engage in a deeply meaningful discussion about what it would mean for them to live a deeply uh, 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 flourishing existence, you might say. Yeah. And so the great thing about that is that um, a lot of my clients already come to me kind of knowing who I am, kind of already trusting me as a person because they've listened to the podcast. And it's funny, they've already built a relationship with me before they even do the initial consultation. And so they already feel comfortable sharing with me. But I always tell my clients that after each conversation, you, could, you should walk away feeling as though you have just had a deeply meaningful conversation that went below the surface with a close friend of yours who truly cares to tell you the truth and to have a truthful, honest conversation about what it would mean to live a life of, 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 of true meaning. So, uh, that's kind of the experience I try to have with my clients and it hasn't steered me wrong yet. And I have just a beautiful relationship with incredible people all around the world who are interested in having that kind of, that kind of dialogue, I guess. Yeah, that's great. But uh, why do you, why do you think that, why do you think that is? I mean, I know I, I'm a, a huge fan of stoicism. Um, you know, I, I love a lot of the uh, philosophical uh, teachings from from that, and it's just little things that I try to incorporate in my own personal life. Um, you know, why do you why do you feel like? I mean, and it seems like you've got a lot of people that they're they're wanting to connect to something deeper. Um, do you feel? I mean, even with the way uh, society is, and just uh, you know, just the 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 pace of technology in society, uh, do you feel people? Um, 
feel like they're being lost and maybe they're trying to re reconnect to, to something, um, maybe to something that's a little bit deeper than what we see as society? Yeah, I mean, I certainly um, stand by the idea that we are going through a meaning crisis where people are kind of flocking away, uh, or at least they have been um, in the past few years from, from the traditional religions of our society. And I, I kind of see it as, it seems to me like there is a deep, deep cynicism taking over the general morale of our culture. Um, I would certainly go as far as to say um, that perhaps one of the core philosophies of our day is cynicism. Uh, people are really losing faith. And that's something that I really um, took away from one of my mentors and somebody who I'm working with in the World Garden, Kai, Kai Whiting. Uh, he's, you know, he and, and, and myself and Sharon LaBelle, who's also there, we are really working to bring people into a certain level of faith in existence, you know, like uh, it's easy to look around and to get very cynical to, um, you know, just to, and, and, and of course, because life is difficult and we currently live in an age, as you point out, where technological advancements are just, you know, they're so quick and, and there's so much of it. And our landscape that we live in is just changing at every single moment. And it's hard for us to keep up with that. I think that what we're doing is, you know, whether it is in the personal mentoring that I do or within the world garden, we're trying to, you know, as I say, bring people into a deeper relationship. Meaning making is how Sharon puts it. Or we would all agree that we're trying to bring people into a deeper relationship with the divine. And what that means, um, we are all figuring out together, you know, mm -hmm. we're, we're going on that adventure together. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that, that, yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, so with the with the walled garden, uh, garden, you know, how, how did that even come about? I mean, I know you were saying that it, it started out as the Practical Stoic uh, podcast and then sort of transformed into the walled garden. Um, I didn't know as far as with with that, is that a sort of a almost like a creative think tank philo uh, philosophical uh, group? I mean, I didn't, I didn't know if anybody can yeah. join or if that's something that's, um, you know, you know, as far as like, how do you become a member of that? I no, I wasn't sure. Yeah. I, was, I was intrigued by that. Yeah, well, I think this is good feedback. And what I will say is that the World Garden is, it's a project that we're all figuring out together as we go, you know. And so we, since the start of, you know, the World Garden, we we brought our members who had already joined into the conversation of what's the adventure that we're all going on here. And certainly we have our core foundation for the World Garden. Firstly, Everybody who is involved uh, in terms of Sharon LaBelle, Kai Whiting and myself, you know, we as the core contributors and the leaders of this, this company um, or community is a better way to put it, um, is, we all come from the Stoic background. We all share those Stoic principles among us. So we have the values there of, of the way that we approach our exploration of philosophy and theology and life. Um, uh, but, but nonetheless, it, it's it's a community where we're trying to aid human flourishing uh, on on multiple levels. So we do our meetup groups where we discuss philosophy. We bring interesting guests into the meetups. I just came off a, a great meetup where we had a whole bunch of people there sitting down with Chris Fisher, who is um, one of the uh, leaders of the kind of traditional Stoicism movement. And so uh, we were discussing, you know, the really traditional view of Stoicism and 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 how we can experience that on a deeper level. 
a great way to bring community together from people all around the world who have extremely diverse backgrounds, but share the core values. Um, and then, you know, we're doing the the one-on-one the -on -one coaching there. So we're really focusing on the individual um, and and uh, we, we really stand by our method of philosophical mentoring. And we're also exploring other ways to expand this community um, and to expand our reach into the outer world uh, by even working with, say, companies um, and, and helping them to structure their company in a way that really aids the flourishing of their employees, yeah. uh, which ultimately leads you know, to, to a better company. So we are intentionally unaware of the final destination, if there is one, of what the world garden is, but we're very explorative with with this, and we want to we want to complete continue to shift it until, you know, we feel as though we've arrived at some sort of point, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, that, that's that you you really bring up a great point, especially with um, corporations and or, you know other organizations that you know trying to incorporate more um, you know stoic qualities. Um, within that culture and, and building uh, building the, the the employees and the management and creating leaders within that organization. I see a lot of, uh, you know, businesses and corporations. I see it all the time, you know, where, you know, presidents and, and CEOs are getting fired and people are getting laid off. And, and I, I think uh, there's just a lot of people that's just, they're trying to <laughs> find an answer somewhere. They're trying to figure out you know where the where to go, and I think over the past couple of years, um, it's definitely um, made people sort of think about, you know, who who they are, um, you know, what what really matters, um, mm. and and I, I think really just trying to find a uh, a deeper meaning in their life than just you know working a you know nine to five job, you know what you know how you know what else could I do as a human being. Um, that's going to give some kind of value, first of all, to, uh, to myself, but it's going to give some kind of value to society. Um, I think, I think personally for me, I mean, I think those are things that uh, I, I think about is trying to figure out, you know, the, just the things that I'm trying to build and create, you know, how, you know, how could I create um, something that's going to uh, affect the, you know, the hearts and, and, and minds of, um, you know, of, of society or, you know, even the, the planet and, you know, um, I, I really feel like uh, people like you and others are, are doing um, what they can to to help, um, I think, to help evolve humanity and and, and go to that next, um, I, I really think next stage of, of just creative consciousness and trying to figure out, um, you know, what, you know, really trying to figure out what the best, you know, what the best route is, you know, what that journey is. Like, I, I really feel like, you know, I don't think anyone's going to, really knows where we're going but um but i think just making that effort to you know take that step forward and, and go that path i think that's always yeah. always critical um yeah and so, perhaps we don't know where we're going but we can all certainly uh aim at perhaps participating in a more meaningful way with yeah. the adventure of where it is that we're going you yeah know? uh and and it, it's life is so much more fun that way when you decide to take it with grave seriousness like this is a very intense and serious enterprise that we're all involved in here as the human race you know <laughs> yeah. like uh, we're in it and and the thing is you know nature kills us 100% of the time um and so you know seeing as we are here seeing as we are alive are alive 
uh, why don't we go on a grand adventure and see what we could become, who we could become, what we could achieve. And, and when I mention achieve, it's like, that's one of the powerful things about uh, taking a philosophical and specifically a stoic approach to things is when we say, what do you want to achieve? You know, well, do you want to achieve uh, the goods of the world, you know, say money, fame, success in those sorts of areas? Well, you know, the Stoics would suggest that the deepest experience that you can have with life is when you, what you want to achieve is to uh, uh, move towards virtue and wisdom and a, an inner enlightenment, what they call eudaimonia, the hmm. flourishing, the inner flourishing. And so, you know, um, part of what we're doing over at the World Garden is we're saying, we want to achieve that, you know, we want to achieve that internal flourishing. And we want to take other people on that adventure as well. That's our goal. Um, mm-hmm. And other people can have their goals. That's fine. We're living in the world. Where this is what this is the path that we're walking. Yeah. Wow. So, what, what as far as maybe personally for you, you know, when when did you make that that shift? I mean, I didn't know if you've always been sort of interested in uh, stoicism or. Um, you know, or maybe did you get to a certain point in your life to where, you know, something happened and you felt yourself um, being open to, to entering that, that realm? Um, I, I didn't know what that, that point was for you in your, your own journey. Yeah. Well, I don't know if there's a single point that you could give where it's like, this is when, huh, but there's a pretty big moment that I'll talk, talk about, you know, right. uh, you know, you, you know, that quote, uh, the, the, the fool who persists in his folly, uh, will obtain wisdom, something like that. I, um, I feel like much of my story, if you look back and you just follow what I've been doing, I think it's the story of a fool who is trying to persist in his folly in, in many ways, but there was a, there, there was a big moment on my 20th birthday and I was, um, studying music, um, and I was down at university. My friend said to me, hey, come on over to the city hall. There's this guy, Eric Thomas. You ever heard of Eric Thomas? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the hip hop preacher, man. Yeah, he, I, I he, listen to um, him all the time. He's great, you know. <laughs> um, and, and I was kind of like, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, motivation guy. All right. Okay, I'll go over there, you know. At that time in my life, I had, um, I had only ever really read maybe one or two books all the way through this was yeah, 20, 20 years old. And I was just an absolute fool when it came to, and now I was uh, successful as a student and uh, I was very successful as a, a human being, you know, people tended to be around me, but nonetheless, as, as a philosophical seeker, there was nothing there. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I went over to this thing and there were, there were three words um, that Eric said that stuck with me forever, you know, and completely changed the way that I see the world. He said, information changes situations. And when I heard that, you know, after leaving that theater and all of the energy and the motivation and everything, you know, um, I in the year after that, I read about 80 books, you know, and I just decided, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go out there. And now I started with the personal development stuff, you know, that's just where I went. But, um, you know, as, as, uh, as Jim Rohn says, uh, 
motivation only goes so far because if you motivate a fool, then you've just got a motivated fool and that's not a lot of good, you know? <laughs> so, so, you know, but then eventually I found my way to stoicism through Tim Ferriss's recommendation of letters from a stoic by, uh, by Seneca, the younger. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's when I started to realize that a lot of these ideas that are kind of surface level in the personal development, new agey world, uh, they, they have deep roots that go back to the ancient ideas that are so much richer and so much more the, 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 you can tell when you read these ancient writings, the, the, the spirit that they inhabit when they're writing those, 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 uh, those pieces of philosophy is just, you know, you know that they're having an experience of personal enlightenment or personal eudaimonia, you know? So I think that was a huge moment for me, that Eric Thomas speech, you know, just information changes situations. I just realized I'm such a noob when it comes to books and all this. And I just started seeking information and that just led me on a wild path. And here we are. Yeah. 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 That always happens. You know, you get into that, that one little, I would say crux point and you start getting awareness of, of, uh, of a certain ideal or certain books and then you find yourself like you know on that that seeking path where you're you know you find one book and then find another one then you find another one and then you know you've read like i said we were you you read like 80 books i mean it's just that's just information that's um being absorbed in, into your yeah. own uh personal being um like i said I, i'm uh, I found myself doing that personally, uh, getting to that point to where I, you know, was just reading, 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 and and not to say I couldn't remember like every page, but there was always certain concepts within each of those books that, um, you know, that I try to incorporate in my own um, personal life. But I, I definitely need to get back because I've always loved. I mean, I'll see little quotes and stuff all the time on social media from uh, Seneca and Marcus Aurelius and. And uh, I was like, wow, I was like, man, that, that, that makes sense. And, and uh, so I definitely need to, to go back and, and, um, and, and read some of those, uh, some of those writings, because it's, it, it's sort of amazing. I, you know, I've, I've always been a big, um, a big fan of um, certain times like that, like, even when you had those uh, philo- philosophical schools, and you had uh, maybe that group of artists, cradles, um, philosophers, um, all in the same era. And they were all sort of, um, you know, throwing ideals at each other. And, and um, it's, I think it's one of those, I think that's really missing now. Um, you know, you see it somewhat in, in various, and I know the Walt Garden is trying to do that. Um, it, it's definitely striving to do that. But um, yeah, back then you had those, um, those little enclaves of, of all these, you know, philosophical masters that was you know you know just throwing ideals out to each other and just made the whole group grow um and those are yeah. like I said, obviously writings that last until this day i mean that, that's something I, I always loved i mean i've always loved huge fan of da vinci uh michelangelo and all those people that were they were around that same time and you know everybody knew each other and you know everybody had those ideals and those concepts and sort of uh mismashing and, and throwing ideals against each other um I think those things are sort of missing now. It's always, uh, and I, I never, even with them, I mean, it never really was, it, I, I wouldn't think it was competition, maybe a healthy competition, but it's just one of those, when you get around that group where you get around those people that, you know, you can share ideals with, and there's no, 
animosity. Like you just want, everybody wants to grow and everybody's trying to find their own uh, meaning and purpose. I think that's when uh, everybody, uh, when everybody grows. Um, mm. So, uh, Well, it's interesting. You talk about, you know, sharing around these ideals and uh, I guess aiming higher and, uh, you know, there has been a shift and, you know, it, it seems like that shift is something to do with, so much of the narrative of, I guess, popular culture today is like, what can I get? You yeah. know, like we're, we're so obsessed with consumption and, and I'm not, I'm not cynical about our modern, you know, kind of capitalistic uh, societies. I think that there, you know, there's a lot of good that has come from us, you know, uh, you know, freeing up markets and letting everybody try to expand their capabilities. And even if it is in the pursuit of material goods, but nonetheless, there's a massive difference between, you know, living your life out of kind of what can I get mindset as opposed to a, like, who can I become, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that so much of the ancient way of thinking was around that question of who can I become, you know, that's why the Stoics, one of the, the interesting things about the Stoic philosophy is death to them was like the final test. It's like, can you die an honorable death? Not kicking and screaming, you know, like trying to cling on to life in some sort of kind of grasping way. But like, can you show that by the end of your life, you have become such a, 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 a fortified character as an individual so at peace with reality so at peace within yourself and within the cosmos that you can die an honorable death um i mean seneca he he gives this really extreme example where he says there's this spartan uh soldier who was captured as a slave and the very first time that he was asked to do a a slave's task which was to take the uh you know the bedpan or something like that that he screamed out in his native tongue i will not be a slave and he ran against the wall and he cracked his head open right and he died and to seneca that was the ultimate picture of how close each human being is to true freedom because freedom to the stoics was never compromise on your moral values never compromise on 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 the 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 true values and principles that are guiding you in your life Never let somebody be your your master. You, you know, like you need to have that internal solitude, and you need to decide. And to Seneca, that was, man, that guy was free right until the last moment. You know, and that's that's a part of becoming something. You know, becoming a person who is so fortified in your values that you are willing to you know live it out right to the very end. And so. Of course, I understand that is such an extreme example, right? Yeah, no. So I really hope people don't take that too, you know, but, but it gives you an image of the way that they were thinking back then, right? You know, it's just a completely different way of seeing the world. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that, I think that those, those values, those moral values, um, man, I, you don't, you definitely don't see that anymore. Um, that's, that's something where, you know, when you draw the line and like, okay, this is, this is how I want to live the rest of my life, despite whatever, you know, things happen to me. I am, you know, this is who I am. That's man. That's a, that's a hard line. Um, yeah. And I, I don't think a, a lot of people are willing to, uh, to, to live like that. Um, but um, definitely. And it's up a question, you know, like whether or not that, that's 
Barton was, uh, you know, that was the best option for him to do, you know, uh, that's open <laughs> for, for discussion, right? But nonetheless, the, the point is, you know, uh, they viewed the world as a place to um, to become something honourable and and virtuous and wise, and those were the ultimate values. I mean, when was the last time you saw, you know, like a public figure or a politician speaking about how we need more wisdom? It's like, you know, back then wisdom was that's that's the number one thing, you know, like the best thing that you could attain. Yeah. When was the last time you heard anybody say the word wisdom or virtue, let alone, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's just not a part of our common popular way of seeing the world. And I, I think um, it, it, you think about what Carl Jung said, you know, he talked about how our technological advancements are getting so quick and, and so insanely large that if we can't match that technological advancement with moral wisdom, we're going to end up just, self-destructing you know mm. we're, we're all just gonna get end up blowing ourselves up which i mean like hey the possibility is there in the next hundred years yeah we are moving so quickly but has our moral wisdom caught up with our technological advancement i don't i don't know i i, I mean we haven't killed each other yet fully you know <laughs> um so yeah uh, <laughs> but you have to think you know who is seeking wisdom because if you've, if you've got that philosophical mindset, I mean, philosophy is by definition, the love of wisdom. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's the highest good, you know, for, for the, for a philosopher. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's just something to consider. Do we hear enough of it these days? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, speaking of books, and you've got the, uh, the, the poet and the sage, and um, I, I got to, to read a, few uh, a few excerpts uh, from it what what compelled you to to write this book yeah that that's probably the right question what what the hell compelled me to write a book of poetry and prose uh you know dealing with deep deep kind of metaphysical theological and philosophical concepts yeah um <laughs> you know because i i always thought that i was going to write a book about you know stoicism or like a 10-step guide to stoicism something like that but when I started writing The Poet and the Sage, that's just not what came out. And um, I never considered myself a poet before I wrote this, um, though it completely changed my relationship with my father when I wrote this book, because, well, let me back up a second. In Stoicism, there is this principle that the thing that we are aiming at as Stoics is to, we're aiming at virtue and at having wisdom, right? But that should lead us to, as they say, living in agreement with nature. And one of the things that that means, or, you know, it's almost the whole picture is, is each of us has a unique human nature. Uh, you enjoy things that I don't enjoy. I enjoy things that you don't enjoy. We're both aiming at different things, but we're still human. We just have different individual natures. And so when you are living in agreement with your personal nature, to the Stoics, you are by definition at the same time also living in agreement with the nature of the whole cosmos because you're a tiny little part of that. And so when I was writing The Poet and the Sage, I thought perhaps the best thing that I could aim at is to write something that's truly coming from my nature. And what that meant was that when poetry started coming out when I was writing, I mean, I went with it and I said, okay, well, clearly the part of me that I don't quite understand that is moving me, 
uh, wants to write poetry, I'm going to let this happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you the first thing that happened with that book is I actually wrote down kind of this strange waking dream. And it was a dream that was kind of like very archetypal, you know, deep symbolism and imagery. And I didn't fully understand it. I still don't fully understand it, which might be confusing to people who are thinking, well, you've just released the book and you don't understand it. It's fine. We'll get there. But I took this waking dream, what I'd written to my my good friend, Sharon LaBelle, um, cause she was the only person who I thought would probably have some insight into it. And she just said, keep on writing, keep on writing. You know, you have to pursue this. She just read it and she thought, Whoa, what is this? But keep on going, you know? Um, and so I did. And what ended up happening was I wrote this book that I stood back and I thought, wow, I have no idea what this is, where it came from, um, uh, what it all means. Uh, but there is definitely a series of deep, you know, symbolic, metaphysical, philosophical, and theological concepts in there that I'm wrestling with, that if people read it through kind of on the surface level, they'll get a book that, well, many people have said to me so far that it's very akin to, say, uh, The Prophet by Khalil Gibran, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, or even like The Alchemist uh, by uh, Paulo Carlo. Oh, man, I'm going to get his name wrong. But um, <laughs> My <favorite> it's, book. <laughs> that, it's that style, you know, um, but if you go deeper with it, it's the kind of book that you could read, you know, 10 times and you still won't necessarily find the bottom of the ideas that are in there. And I know that because I wrote it. And even after 15 edits of the book, when I was going through, I was still finding new things that I hadn't noticed, new patterns that I hadn't noticed. So I think that that just came from me allowing the artistic uh, process to happen, the poetic process to happen, which is one of not moving, but of being moved, you know, allowing the process to happen through you. Um, And so this is just the beginning. There's more books to come, uh, you know, once we get to a certain level of sales that satisfies my my publisher. And um, it's it's all a part of this deeper adventure that I'm going on, exploring the the fundamentals of living a a deeply uh, meaningful life. That's great. That's great. So the the, the book, uh, where where is it available at uh, available at right now? Yeah, so that it's at the moment where we're kind of just getting it on Amazon in a few weeks, I believe. Um, I'm working on the audiobook, but for now, people can get it uh, if they go to thewalledgarden.com. They can buy it from the store on that website, um, or if they actually join up and become a patron of the Walled Garden, even if it's three dollars a month, you can actually read the online version there as well. So that's great. That's awesome. Um, so, so right now, I mean, what what things are inspiring you right now? What what things are you know pulling at the at the heartstrings of Simon Drew? Yeah. Um, well, one of the one of the uh, unintended consequences of writing the poet and the sage was I felt a deep kind of call to go and um, study a master of divinity. So I'm currently doing that. Um, so, you know, I'm looking forward to learning these ancient biblical languages and, um, you know, learning more about the the tradition of our culture, really, and uh, mm-hmm. seeing if, you know, seeing what I find there. So that's always fun. I, I think the thing that's really inspiring me at the moment um, is just stepping back and noticing the kinds of people who are coming into my life and 
who are excited to work with me, which I have no idea how it happened, but it's like, you know, if you had have asked me, you know, five years ago, uh, you know, where do you think you're going to be in five years? I wouldn't have said, well, I'm going to have two of the best mentors I could have ever picked, you know, to, to go along with me on this adventure in the world garden, Sharon LaBelle, you know, she is by far, I would say the wisest person I've ever met in my life, you know, and she said yes to go on this adventure with me and I'm honored. And so that energizes me every day. And then Kai Whiting is, you know, he is such a, such a skilled academic and thinker and philosopher and um, somebody who I've come to develop a really beautiful friendship with. And I just, I adore Kai and, you know, so having him there as well, and both of them, I trust that they're, they're both on this adventure of truly aiming at wisdom, virtue, and, and an experience of the divine that inspires me every single day. Cause I just can't believe that I get to work with these amazing people. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's great. Um, so right now, I mean, creative tips, and this is something that I ask all of my guests uh, on the show, what is a creative tip or tips that you can provide with our audience? Hmm. Let's see. One thing that I always say is uh, make sure that you, the room where you create in is as beautiful as you can make it, you know, uh, and you know, just, I'll give you an example on my desk here, you know, it's silly, but it's like, I found this little antique kind of like little vase thing, right? Yeah. And then I just found little dry flowers around the place and I kind of put them in, you know, and that that's something that, yeah, it's silly, but it it's another little element of creative beauty that I get to look at when I'm in the creative process. Um, I, but if I really think about it, another thing that I, I would want to mention as a creative tip, for a long period of my life, I considered myself as a jazz trumpeter and a jazz singer. And that's because I studied jazz at university. And so I put those walls around my creativity. That's what I do. Um, it wasn't until I decided to say, hang on, no, I'm not necessarily just a jazz trumpeter and singer. I'm also, you know, I also do a podcast and that's creative. And I, you know, I, I do this and that's creative. I do that. Or I'm interested in this. I'm interested in that. I started to break down those barriers and say, no, okay, let's categorize myself as a creative individual and let's see where that takes me. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I started doing that, that I picked up the piano, you know, again, when I, I hadn't really been focusing on it at all. And that ended up creating an album on piano and then now oh. learning didgeridoo and then writing poetry. And, you know, I discovered so much more in the kind of the well of creativity within me when I decided to drop those labels that were kind of holding me in a certain box creativity by definition goes outside of the boxes and you need as a creative person to have some sort of structure because otherwise you'll go insane but you also need to recognize that your job is to teach people how to see and experience something different and you need to do that as well if you're going to do that mm -hmm. so i mean um yeah drop those labels and try and explore your own creative pursuits even if it means going somewhere that you haven't gone before yeah, that, that, those are those are great tips. You know, I, I think that's, you know, you always get those 
you know, those people that feel like, hey, you know, you're a, uh, you know, even with you, you know, you're, you're, you're supposed to be a jazz musician and, you know, that's all you are supposed to be in this one little box. And, and I think even, even now, I mean, I, I can tell even from all the things that you're doing right now, I mean, you're, you're starting to destroy all the little stories or limitations that, um, that people say, you know, say what you're supposed to be doing or maybe how to do something. Um, I, I think I, I find that uh, refreshing um, because a, a lot of people, um, even, even with me, you know, I'm, you know, by trade, I'm a graphic designer. Um, but with all the things that I'm doing now, I feel like I'm, I'm way more than that. And I'm still trying to um, express more, more and more in who, of who I am and connecting with, with people like you um, yeah. to gain a, a deeper insight um, as far as, um, you know, who I am as a person and, and how, Creative, creatively authentic I can be um as a human being on this on this planet um yeah so uh yeah um going into um oh I was gonna backtrack it was something I, I thought about you were <laughs> I, I see you're <laughs> you're you're doing all these things and I, I think a lot of people I, I've always sort of wondered even with a lot of the, the guests that I bring on is like what, what is your, I, I know you, you had, like you just mentioned, you have to have a routine to sort of keep yourself sort of um, structured, but what, what is your routine through the, through the day? I mean, I see you <laughs> putting out all this amazing, amazing things. You're, you're with the walled garden. Um, like what is your daily routine? Yeah. Well, uh, okay. As, as Jim Rohn says, and it's one of my favorite quotes, he says, uh, listen to what I say, but don't watch too close. Right. I, um, man, I, I struggle with the routine. Hey, like, um, and I'm only just now see for the past two years, I'd say, because I was doing like three things at once, three major projects, I could get away with not having that routine to my mm -hmm. life. Now that I'm, launching a book, you know, uh, trying to do a YouTube channel and, you know, uh, the world garden, uh, the podcast, you know, more collaborations. There's so much happening and I'm moving to America soon. And, you know, it's like, it's like all of these things colliding. Now I'm starting to realize, okay, if I'm, if I want to do all this, you know, and master of divinity, I have to have more structure, you know, because it's just not good. It's yeah. not good for the soul. Um, so, you know, I think that my method so far has been pretty chaotic and it's been good because it's gotten me to, you know, this point where I am, where I've got all of these opportunities that are now in my lap. Now what I'm starting to do is, you know, to, to clean up certain aspects and catch up with everything that I've already done so that, you know, all of them are aiming in that same direction um, together and, and I can sort of outsource certain things that I'm not necessarily good at. Um, I, I don't know if that necessarily answers your question other than oh, yeah, to say yeah. uh, that I'm terrible with routine. Um, it has gotten me to where I am now, but I recognize that there's a certain routine that I need to have moving forward that is going to get me through this next three or four year period of accelerating everything that I want to do at once. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the that's great great answer. I mean, it's yeah, it's one of those where yeah, people. I, I tend personally for me, I tend to be a little. I guess you would call it chaotic, um, mm -hmm. and uh, to where I do have, I, I can have a messy 
table, but I know where everything is at. <laughs> um, I like that term, but, chaotic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I find myself. You know, I, I used to I used to bash myself a lot. I'm like, oh, I'm just I'm not you know organized or, but the things that I've been able to create and the things, the opportunities, it what hadn't been because I went the straight and narrow was because I I just spread myself out and how far could I extend out and express more of who yeah. I am and, and touch people's lives and, and, um, create more things. And, and like I said, uh, planting those seeds and, and, you know, those things tend to tend to pop up. Um, now I do like, like what you said, I do find myself there's now I have to with, I'm actually working on a graphic novel right now, but, um, there's just a lot of things that I have to make sure that I keep, everything going that same direction and, and, um, sort of stream streamlining some things, just trying to be a little mm. bit more efficient, but, um, you know, but that's not going to stop me trying to, you know, touch, you know, however many people, however many people's lives that I can just through my art or through my, you know, through my design work or, you know, yeah. anything else. So, um, yeah, that's, that, that was a great answer. Great answer. Well, tell me what you think of this because i mean like okay so we probably share many of the same qualities in terms of uh, the, the way that we I, I like that chaotic because it makes perfect sense to me um but it seems like what's necessary for the artist you know and just for people in general is to that there has to be an immovable part of you and that seems to be values principles what do you stand for you know that's that's the immovable uh, you know uh, well movable when you feel as though one of them is out of alignment with better wisdom but nonetheless uh, that's the thing that's the rock that you that you stand upon that's your firm foundation amid the chaos but one of the great things about the stoic philosophy is their insistence that there is only this point right now here this you know and and that insistence comes right back down to the uh decision making progress uh, uh process because you know the stoics even though they did look ahead to the future in order to anticipate potential uh devastation um you know uh, they call it negative visualization it's like imagine everything that could happen that would be that would you know, throw your life into chaos. Mm -hmm. And now imagine that it definitely will happen so that you'll be prepared if it does happen. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but nonetheless, their decision-making progress was always right now, based on the circumstances, based on the situation around me in this moment, what's the most appropriate decision. And that kind of moral framework is extremely flexible. You know, they would talk about, they would go as far as to say, well, Hey, cannibalism is neither good nor bad right it's an indifferent right because there may be a point where you need to be a cannibal because that's the most appropriate thing to do in that situation you know they would give a crazy example you know that may never happen to anybody but by definition it could happen and so you know to the stoics it was extremely simple but also you know just powerful like in this moment what is the most appropriate choice to make based on what you see around you and i think that that's helpful for artists because it means that you can you can be thrown into a little bit of chaos but at the same time be grounded in a very um a a, a very solid way of making decisions amid that chaos you know, so I don't know, it, it seems to be helpful for me and many others. So it might be something that artists out there would consider. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm yeah, sure on that. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, I think a lot of people, especially a lot of artists and a lot of people that sort of, you know, that's connected to the podcast, well, through the show, um, 
yeah, I think the, the, the biggest thing with a lot of um, artists and especially aspiring and younger artists, especially in this generation is just trying to figure out, you know, what, like, what is it they stand for? You know, I know a lot of them have different backgrounds, different stories and trying to figure out what that, what that anchor is. And that doesn't move for anything and allowing life and other things to sort of circulate around that and, you know, be as flexible as possible, but there's certain things that will never move and uh, being anchored in that. I think a lot of, a lot of uh, younger artists, uh, actually a lot of, yeah, yeah, even old, older artists, I, I think they're trying to um, sort of navigate that and figure out what that, um, you know, what that anchor is and then allowing yeah. their, their artwork and, and life and everything else to circulate around that. Um, it's very, uh, you know, definitely an aspiring, aspiring goal because we're always thinking about what, you know, what do we got to do tomorrow? You know, what do we have to do, you know, a couple of months from now? We, well, we scheduled something. Now I'm looking forward to five months down the road instead of like right now, you know, how do we need to show up? You know, who are we yeah. right now? Um, and that that can be a, a very scary thing and powerful thing at the same time. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. And and I think Seneca has the most compelling argument for me on this point, because he just points out, you know, like, when was the last time you were right about any prediction of your future? <laughs> you know, like, we, uh, we are so what because what we do, it's crazy, but we do it all the time as we look into the future. And we say, oh gosh, that horrible thing is coming. And then we experience the pain of that horrible thing that might never happen in this moment. So we're basically pulling all of the pain and the suffering of the future and experiencing it right now. And, you know, if you don't, if you're not careful, that can be your entire life experience, constantly being, you know, fearful or in pain of future events. But Seneca just points out, we're almost never right in our predictions of what will happen. Either it will be much worse than what you imagine, or it won't even happen, you know, uh, but, but ultimately, and, and this is something that's in the Sermon on the Mount in the Bible as well. It's this idea of, you know, uh, uh, what does it tend to the, to the evils of today? So, I, I, I know I'm not getting the, the, the quote right. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof, right? Take care of this day, this moment, right? And if you're doing that, then at the same time as you're doing that, you're also simultaneously taking care of the rest of the moments in your life, in your future, because what could be better than paying attention to this moment and what's in front of you right now? There's, there's nothing better or more grounding than that. So yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, just, it's not a good habit to get into, but you know, for some reason or another, that's how we go as human yeah. beings. <laughs> yeah, so that's the truth. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, right now, uh, before we sign off, you know, what are some words of wisdom that you can provide um, to our audience? You know, something that may resonate with them, um, you know, in a few weeks when this episode releases or maybe a year from now and they, they search around and they happen to find this episode with Simon Drew. Um, what is something you can you can tell our audience? Mm. Oh gosh, words of wisdom. Um, the life that you're living is, as I said earlier, like nature kills us a hundred percent of the time. What we're involved in here, it is important, and 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 not and more than that. 
it certainly is the case that in the past there have been people who have made claims to enlightenment, personal enlightenment, truest extent in their internal world. And I would just encourage people to take that claim really seriously, really seriously, because it's not clear to me that we in our modern age know how to take those claims seriously, because one of the turning points for me was hearing Jordan Peterson say, you should, you should conceptualize the highest possible good for your life and you should aim at that highest possible good. And then he said, because what else have you got to do that's better than that? And that hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, whoa, okay, that's, he's backed you into a logical corner. And I would say the same thing to people. Have you got anything better to do than to truly seek a life of deep, deep meaning by aiming as high as you possibly could and setting aim, you know, to, to, to achieve that, you know, and perhaps we don't get that, but man, like, just listen to, you know, the way that we talk to each other. It's like, shoot for the stars, you know, like, and, you know, we, 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 all, we all know intuitively that we have the potential to experience deep meaning in our lives and to do better and to experience more and to be more, um, you know, and it's not easy. It's not easy, but nothing worthwhile is easy. So I, I just encourage people not to take those claims of enlightenment uh, with too much cynicism um, or skepticism, but to, to inspect them you know, and to see where it takes you. Yeah, that's, those are some awesome words of wisdom. That's, that's great. Um, love Jordan Peterson, love Hill. Um, yeah, what a champion. Yeah, yeah. Um, so right now, um, what is the best way to get in contact with you to check out everything that you're, go, uh, that you're doing right now, um, to uh, check out the Wild Garden, check out your book? Uh, what is the best way to, to get in touch with you? Sure. Well, um, look, if people want to find me personally, they can go to simonjedrew.com. There's a whole bunch of poetry on there. Um, if they want to book in a free consultation with me with the philosophical mentoring, I'd love to meet them. They can do that via that website. They can also go to thewalledgarden.com as well. And um, we'd love to see you at any of our meetups that we're doing with interesting speakers and on, on topics that we believe are incredibly important. Um, and uh, just yeah go over there read the poetry whatever you want to do you know have a look around and and if they want to get the poet and the sage they can go to the walledgarden.com and just go to the store link in the menu and it'll be over there so that's great that's great so uh hey once again uh, thank you simon for coming onto the show um very appreciative um for my audience if you get a chance to check this out you're this is a this has been a great episode um a mix of a mix of ancient wisdom, um, creativity, insight. Um, I, I think this is, like I said, this is the perfect mix for for what the what the show is, uh, what the creative brew is. Um, always looking to bring insights and and practicality and um, and a, a mix of other little concepts and brew it up. And and um, you know, this is what the creative journey is. This is what the creative brew is about. So, um, Simon, thank you for for coming onto the show. Uh, very, very grateful. This has been another great episode of The Creative Brew. Be creative, stay inspired.